0: You're listening to the Bitcoin and Markets Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets, episode 38. March 19th, 2017, man, uh, I've been off for a week, I had my new baby boy was born on last Friday, so that was a great moment in my life, I have three daughters and, and this was our last one, so now I got my son, I'm pretty pretty excited about that. But I took a week off to enjoy the family and everything, and now I'm back. There's been a lot that's happened. Um, I was an outspoken um, – I was very outspoken on the ETF. That got declined. I talk about that here in a few minutes. Uh, what else? Um, we talk about Bitcoin Unlimited. There's all sorts of stuff happening there. So I, I really – kind of dive deep into some of the FUD and some of the people doing the FUD. So stick around for that. Also, uh, I touch on altcoins. I mean, the altcoin bubble that's going on right now, it's incredible. Incredible. I'm glad to see so many people making money and I hope that continues. I hope, I mean, there's got to be losers somewhere, right? And But I hope that you are able to uh, get out when the time is right. Cool. Let's jump right into a market update. So the price of Bitcoin on Bitstamp is ten forty five, and on OKCoin is seventy one fifty. We had a big drop after the ETF. So, well, we had a big drop immediately. Then we recovered up to twelve fifty, and then the kind of hangover kicked in. I think, and we we we've been dropping after that. A lot of people are saying that this recent drop has the most recent drop. This, this, over this last weekend was due to the fork, the Bitcoin fork stuff. And I think there is a degree of that, but not much. Okay. Maybe the last, um, 25% of the dip, uh, was due to that. I, I think, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the bottom is in. We'll probably range around here, range around a thousand to 1100 for a while. There's a, there is, quite a bit of support it seems in the 900s so uh, probably will not break that mark okay local bitcoins 7 day volume hit another record high the last 2 weeks have been over 30 million dollars worth of bitcoin traded on local bitcoins this last week was 31.8 million the on-chain network volume last 24 hours has been million. I need to go in and check that uh, for per transaction. The last time I checked, it was $1,117 was the average transaction value. Um, It's probably above that. It's probably around $1,300 is the average size transaction on the Bitcoin blockchain. You can see it's starting to get into that. You know, reserve currency type transaction, not the coffee. And that's what we want to see. Uh, difficulty. Uh, last difficulty was about 3%. Uh, last difficulty adjustment, sorry, was uh, plus 3%. We've had many in a row now of positive difficulty adjustments. And in the history of Bitcoin, we've only had, I don't know, a handful, maybe a dozen difficulty adjustments down. So it's not surprising to see, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 difficulty adjustments going up. Uh, but they've been decently decently sized. Uh, I think the smallest one was this last one at th- plus 3%. And the next one here is estimated to be at plus 4%. So we'll see. There's a lot of debate going back and forth right now between about the ASIC manufacturer's 70 percent supposedly is dominated by bitmain or done by bitmain Um, that's probably going to change it's very hard ever to hold a monopoly in or relative monopoly in a free market so we'll see how that goes i mean they could be subsidized by the chinese government there's rumors conspiracy theories about that i don't buy it um I really don't think the central banks or the governments at this point are taking a second look at Bitcoin, to be honest with you. And I'll go into that a little bit with the ETF. Uh, But yeah, relative monopoly will not last in the free market. So yeah, they might have 70% now, but they are not keeping it. That's for sure. And SegWit is signaling at 27%. So it's it's been stuck around there. But the big thing for SegWit is going to be the user-activated soft fork. I do link in the show notes to... Uh, You'll find at this table where all this kind of market update stuff is. I have a link to the SegWit page. Uh, It's uh, I think it's the uh, BitcoinCore.org. I'm not exactly sure now. Damn it. Let me see. Yeah, BitcoinCore.org. It's their SegWit adoption page. And if you go there, it shows like all the wallets, all the mining pools, all the exchanges, all the people that are in the space that are ready for segway and it is astounding how many people are ready uh, if you did a bitcoin unlimited one like that or showing the people that are ready for bitcoin unlimited it would be like one maybe bitcoin.com that's it so anyway okay that is a market update what kind of um admin notes do i have just if you guys want to support the show go to patreon.com forward slash bitcoin and markets for a dollar a month i do an extra episode every week that's called my companion episode uh, you, so you can get access to that if you would like to donate five dollars a month that's the one i recommend because uh, you guys can uh, as soon as i get to a hundred dollars i'm going to be starting like q a stuff maybe even some google hangouts for people that want to come on privately and just chat Privately, I know that Google Hangouts for a lot of people are kind of intimidating, but if it's if it's just a small group of six to eight people, it's not as intimidating, and we can talk to each other face to face. So I think that's pretty neat. Uh, that's at the five dollar a month level, and I'm open to suggestions. At if you guys want different perks, whatever on Patreon, let me know. Um, okay, also that you can just straight donate at. Uh, Bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash donate. Thank you guys. Everybody that is a subscriber is a member on Patreon and all the people that have donated. I've gotten some uh really, really generous donations over the last month. Uh, we also had a $50 level subscriber on Patreon, which is amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, with that $50 level, you get a shout out if you want it on the show, and i also give you a backlink in every show note to something that you want. Enough with my advertisement, the way I pay the bills, no commercials on the show, no ads, um, but let's start off. Everything's kind of tied together, and I'm going to start with an ETF debrief. All right, guys, we're going to jump right into the ETF stuff because I think the ETF flows into this Bitcoin Unlimited hard fork debate that I'm going to spend a lot of time on Um, the ETF. Now, I was wrong. Okay, I'm the first one to admit and I can say it that I was wrong. I thought the ETF was going to get approved. My my reasoning, I mean, the the major reason why i thought it was going to be approved is because that the e- the etf could have influence on bitcoin and that's what the regulators want that's what government wants they want to control this a lot of these commentators around there that said they weren't going to be it wasn't going to be approved they use that same argument they said that the etf is not good for bitcoin okay, and that but that's not an argument for it if it would be approved or not. I think it's not good for Bitcoin as well. I mean it's it could be a net positive in the short term, which I will go into with this bitcoin a limited thing um but I agree that it's it's not the best thing for bitcoin long term, and that's why I thought it would be approved. Does that make sense? Like they don't have Bitcoin's best interest at heart. So I thought they would approve it. And these people with the 50, 50 projections, that's no prediction at all. If you say 50, 50, you might as well say, I, I don't know, or I'm not going to make a prediction. A lot of people were starting to move from the disapproved side in the last few days before the decision and move into the approved side. Phil Potter, I heard him on Whalepool. he came in and he was saying, yeah, I don't know ex- his exact words, but to paraphrase from memory, he said that, you know, he expected it to be approved. It made sense. Um, Tone Vays went from 0% at the beginning to like 20 or 30%. So he was moving that way. Uh, Vinny Lingham, who I'll talk about here <laughs> in a minute. Uh, he went from, I think, 5% to a 50-50 prediction. So see, all these people were moving to this approved side. And I think it's totally sane to do that. Okay, what else? So let's let's walk through... This decision a little bit I, I linked a few things uh, two things in the show notes I linked the actual uh, decision letter and I also linked to um, Reggie Middleton's boom Bust blog he did a write-up on this and so uh, I think that's interesting reading so I, I linked that so a- after reading this decision I mean it's clear that the SEC still doesn't understand bitcoin um they gave the main reason they gave is on the first page right there and it says quote the commission believes that the significant markets for bitcoin are unregulated uh which ones tell me a market that's not regulated i mean yes maybe local bitcoins Paxful. um Alphabet, okay but those are those are niche those aren't like the big exchanges that we're talking about here name me a market that uh, an exchange that's not regulated at least in the top 10 they're all regulated okay then they go on to say that um they it would be better if uh the winklevoss had this quote surveillance sharing agreements um, and they kept harping on that over and over that it would be good if they had these surveillance sharing agreements. And so I didn't know what that was, obviously. And I'm not an expert in this stuff, as you could tell from my prediction being wrong. But, um, so I had to look that up and I, I linked to that source, but, um, it says that, uh, this is the, the definition I found or the important part of the definition. Quote, a non-U.S. entity will be able to produce and share relevant information about market trading activity, clearing activity, and customer identity without being materially impeded by the non-U.S. entity's rules or secrecy or blocking laws. So they, they want this KYC. They want to be able to control all this stuff. They want the Winklevoss to have these agreements everywhere with these exchanges. And that's not going to happen. That's straight up not going to happen. There was a good point in the uh, comments that the SEC did include in this decision. And that the one really good point that I saw was uh, about arbitrage. And I think it was totally fair to to say what they said they said that excuse me that it's hard to do arbitrage or that uh, there's a difference in price uh, from u.s markets and overseas markets because of the regulation and that's totally true but it's it, is that not a, like a disconnect like uh you made it the SEC and the, well, specifically the Bit License, the New York, uh, Financial Services Committee, they made it hard for this price discovery to happen. So, of course, there's the arbitrage. It's hard to arbitrage between countries, between borders. But, it, in addition to that, the authorized participants of this ETF could have gone onto any exchange. They didn't have to be limited to the Gemini exchanges. There might have been some U.S. regulation that these authorized participants would have had to abide by if they went to these other exchanges. I'm not sure. But um, it said right in the document they're not limited to Gemini. So they could have gone anywhere and sourced this Bitcoin and done the arbitrage basically themselves. They would have got the best price anywhere, right? So to me, it's this, this kind of, um, I got this idea that the SEC wants their, the majority of Bitcoin trading to first happen in the United States on US regulated exchanges and to be used in regulated ways as typical retail. They want it, you know, they, they still think like Dash people that you want to buy a cup of coffee or these, uh, Bitcoin woo people. I'm calling it Bitcoin woo now instead of Bitcoin unlimited. Bitcoin woo people that, that want um, to use it for a damn cup of coffee. Or at least that's their excuse. They want it to be legitimate uses. That So the SEC wants um, it to be majority in the US, the trading, and for legitimate uses. Like, they want it to be kind of like gold. Because gold is... The futures market is 80% out of New York City. 80% of the gold market is out of New York City. And then the you have the London fix. Twice a day they set the price. LBMA, you know, there's OTC stuff happening there with the, the physical. But that's all government run as well. Or at least government regulated. Um and that's very centralized. So, you know, that's what they're wanting. They're wanting like 80% of trading to happen in the United States on regulated exchanges before they approve this ETF. So, in in all of these things, I mean, it's a kind of a catch-22, right? Because um you have the bit license that's keeping people from trading in in New York, but they want all this trading to be done in New York. Um which you know the us it would be done more in the us if the etf were approved so approve the etf 80% of the activity comes to the us but they won't approve the etf until 80% of the activity comes and you can't with the BIF, bit license so it's just a catch 22 under this according to this um uh rejection i don't think any of those other etfs stand a chance it, it's game over Uh, As far as I'm concerned with that. But let me go back to touching on. Why I thought this would be approved. And. Some fallout from it not being approved. Okay. Now I am of the opinion. That. it, It would be. If it were approved. The market cap would go up significantly. At least double. Maybe five times. Okay. And that would bring a lot of people in not just investors but developers would start looking at this you know some really good developers that have glossed over this and maybe work on some other stuff maybe they come back to bitcoin because there's some money to be made now right there's some value to be captured here so there'd be more development there would also be um, higher margins for mining And it would be a race to decentralize this mining. Everybody would be trying to get ASICs and they'd be paying a lot for it. They would be paying a lot to R&D more ASICs. To produce more ASICs because there's that huge margin there. Some people say that um, going up 5X would have centralized mining even more. I can kind of see that. But uh, I think that when margin goes up, price goes up profitability goes up you're going to competition is going to come in and they're going to start new manufacturing of asics they're going to start all these things just like in the gold mining argument you know if the gold price goes up more more miners will come in more miners will bump up their their activity and that's the same thing that would happen with bitcoin more people would come into the asic manufacturing game And that would decentralize that. So now we take this into the current debate with Bitcoin Unlimited. So last night, I was on Bitcoin Meister Show. He has a live panel every Friday, and this is my second time on it. He invited me back, and we talked about all sorts of stuff. We started by talking about uh, Segwit and Roger Ver um, and Dash and stuff. And then Vinny Lingham came on. And Vinny came on, and he was right out of the gate, he said well let me start by saying i respect um mr lingham i think he's a great uh entrepreneur he's a great uh venture capitalist um he's done really good for this world he's had a very large positive impact on the world so i respect him for that but his actions during this this uh I don't think he thought out his actions before coming on the show. I mean, he showed up after, like, we had been talking for 30 or 40 minutes. He just shows up and he drops some bombs on us. He's like, guys, I am privy to some major news, but I can't tell you. But the price is going to crash. That's irresponsible behavior. If you can't, I mean, he probably thought that he was protecting people by saying this he probably had good intentions but it was not delivered properly in my opinion it was complete FUD because there was no proof now I tweeted out after this that uh, that god what well, um oh in the silver markets there there there's some newsletter publication where this guy talks about his elite friends, his elite friend in the oil industry, his elite friend at the state department, his elite friend here and there. Okay. Um, and that's kind (laughs) of, Vinny brought that into Bitcoin. My elite friends told me this. My elite friends are scared and they're selling. And so what happens? It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. And he also pumped the altcoins saying that Ethereum is going to pump. And I'm like, I, I tried to push back on him. I'll link to this video in the show notes because I tried to push back on him and be somewhat respectful. Respectful. Because, I mean, he, he's, he's, uh, his, he has gravitas. Okay, I am just a commentator in the Bitcoin space. He is, uh, on shark tank. He's a shark. So he is much more important than I am. So I tried to show him some respect, but at the same time, he's a human being. And if he's doing something irresponsible, he deserves to be called out on it. Um, so I, I was like, you can't just pump ether and then like, not say what your position is, right? Like you need to have some disclosure, I mean, he tried to cover his tracks and say that he thinks Ethereum is shit, but that it will pump. But, you know, I mean, it, it would be nice to know what his position is when he says stuff like that, because it helps you evaluate what he's saying. Um, plus, I mean, he gave no evidence. The only evidence he gave is that, like, this is really bad. All these people are scared. They're all selling uh, There's going to be an imminent hard fork. And he kept going back to that imminent hard fork, imminent hard fork. And I asked like, what, what software are they going to use? Because Bitcoin Unlimited is riddled with holes, according to the core developers and independent researchers. The way that bug was found last week on um, the unlimited code that took down half their network, half their nodes, that was found by an independent researcher in like five minutes. ridiculous let me read you something from her findings because it was a female and she did some great work here aaron van verden wrote it up in bitcoin magazine obviously it's in the show notes if you want to check it out i'm just going to quote some of the things that she says in here what's her name um charlotte gardner so this these are her quotes Quote, I am beside myself at how a project that aims to power twenty billion network, a $20 billion network can make beginner mistakes like this. I am rather dismayed at the poor level of code quality in Bitcoin Unlimited, and I suspect there is a raft of other issues. I'm surprised no one has noticed it yet. I guess not many people actually use the Bitcoin Unlimited software. But with their quote-unquote rise, attackers may take more interest. And, but this is me breaking into this. Bitcoin core developers have pointed this out in private to these guys. Multiple different problems. So we'll see what happens. Quote, the problem is the bugs are so glaringly obvious that when fixing it, It will be easy to notice for anyone watching their development process. And remember, so what happened was they did a commit to fix this bug and people saw that. And before people could upgrade, they sent that um, malicious message out to the nodes and they crashed off the network. So it's, it's not only that there are bugs in this software, but it's that... They're irresponsible in fixing the bugs. Every software is going to have bugs. Okay. But it's the way that you fix it too. Now, (sighs) I, I just, I don't see how they're going to, how anybody's going to run this software. They're probably not. They're probably going to run a bastardized version of core. They're probably not going to run Bitcoin unlimited if they fork. She goes on quote their commit message does ring alarm bells i'm not sure if anyone will notice but they probably should have obfuscated the message a bit more the wording might attract closer scrutiny but if it went unnoticed for this long maybe it will go unnoticed and of course it didn't Um, okay i wanted to read the last bit here okay this well this part is about from gregory maxwell well okay no sorry Um, Aaron Van Verden does cover that Bitcoin Core developers already warned about the buggy code. Matt Corallo said uh, that the flexible, flexible transactions piece was riddled with blatant and massive security holes. Gregory Maxwell said there are vulnerabilities in Unlimited which have been privately reported to you in Unlimited by Bitcoin Core folks which you have not acted on sadly more severe than this one in fact that's from gregory maxwell okay then gardner goes on this is the conclusion at the end here Um, quote in this case the vulnerabilities are so glaringly obvious it is clear no one has audited their code because these stick out like a sore thumb I'm astounded the mining, in, the mining industry is running this software, but since they are, and a lot of people could get harmed, the best I can do, other than recommending they don't use Bitcoin Unlimited, is to disclose the issues and hope they are competent enough to fix it. So this implementation is riddled with bugs. They They don't know how to update it properly and not get attacked. So... And that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be develop- developers. They're not supposed to be economists, right? And Satoshi, he was not a developer. He was some sort of economist. He was some sort of genius, but he was not a main uh, – develop- developer was not his job. So these guys' job is as a developer, but they – if and they can't even get that right. So I don't – I don't trust the economics and nobody is trusting the game theory behind uh, Bitcoin Unlimited with the block size gates and, and all these different mechanisms in there that can all be gained. So that's the important thing is not only is the code buggy, but the game theory and the economics behind what they are selling as an improvement, that's buggy as well. Edit here. I found this on Reddit about the BU open problems and there's just a list here i'm going to read them out so BU has no flag day BU has no wipeout protection BU has no minor activation threshold BU has no replay attack prevention BU has a bug enabling the remote shutdown of nodes Uh, yet not even for a minute do they rethink and advise people that BU is not ready yet and BU's BU's emergent consensus mechanism is totally broken and vulnerable to attackers. And this has been explained to them on many occasions. And yet they keep pushing people to run the software. I put this list in the show notes. Sorry for the edit. So what are, what is this um contentious hard fork going to run? Is it going to run Bitcoin unlimited? Sorry, Bitcoin woo. I don't think it's going to run Bitcoin woo. It's not. I mean, if you had invested millions of dollars into your mining operation, would you run Bitcoin Unlimited with this, with this information? Hell no. Hell no. Would you fork with this information? Hell no. Probably not. I mean, unless you're getting paid by Bitmain, which is another thing that people are talking about that, um, that Bitmain might have other financing. And they don't really care about the price. but So they have to be bribing all of these miners. Because I don't believe that Bitmain has 70% of the network. I think they have 30%. Maybe 40%. But they don't have a majority. And to keep that majority or to get that majority, they have to bribe a bunch of people. Just like Roger Ver has has come out now that he um, employs a company... That goes out on social media and supports BU, or sorry, um, Bitcoin Woo, and this is on Core. So it's all AstroTurf. It's AstroTurf, and the Bitcoin Unlimited is crap code. It's bad code. So what are you going to run? Again, they're probably going to run a bastardized version of Core just to fork the Core team. Because the core team is so damn principled that they will not waver in their pursuit of this Bitcoin dream. They will not waver in their pursuit of science. It's fun for them to get it right. And they're not going to compromise on that. I was trying to explain this to my wife because, you know, she's she's up on this Bitcoin stuff, but she's not, not nearly as as passionate or up on it as i am and uh, so i tried to explain to her and i was like okay look copernicus right he had the he came up with the heliocentric model of the solar system okay but what if some priests or people scientists at the time they came up and said look man that's too revolutionary what we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to compromise and you're gonna have to Say that the Earth is still the center, but maybe it's like a dual center, so that like the other things orbit around the sun and the Earth or something. You know, compromise in that respect sounds stupid because it's science and it's gonna win. the The heliocentric model is gonna win, so it's just like this. You can't, core cannot compromise because it's not scientific. They have done the research to, um, support their beliefs on what this is, what Bitcoin is, how it works, how it's going to scale. And they cannot compromise on that. It would be just like asking Copernicus to compromise for a short time while they get everything in order and keep the geocentric solar system. It's silly. So, um, Anyway, the, another thing is uh, DeSantis. Uh, you guys probably know Andrew DeSantis. He is... I think he's a core contributor. Pretty high up there. Uh, really smart guy. I've talked to him a couple times just on YouTube chats and stuff and on Twitter. Uh, but he had a big tweet storm that uh, last night after... Well, during and after Vinny Lingham's thing on the show. Um, And he was pointing out all of these connections with like um, uh, Roger Vare and John McAfee. Okay. Well, John McAfee is a dunce kind of he, I've watched a couple of his talks on crypto. He has no idea what he's talking about. He is so, he is so five years behind the rest of the community But his name is John McAfee, and so he gets some clout from just his name. But he's a dunce, and I wouldn't be worried about him. I mean, if I have a team full of Roger Ver and John McAfee and Jihan Wu, I'm not scared. But if I have a team with like Matt Corallo, Peter Willa, um, Gregory Maxwell, Peter Todd, those are the guys that I would be um, scared of. Those are the competent folks. I mean, who, who knows this, who, whose team would you rather be on Gregory Maxwell's or or John McAfee's when it comes to Bitcoin? Uh, I would rather be on the cypherpunk side. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so that kind of gets tied in and to the ETF in that we could have avoided some of this, um, minor centralization talk and these fork fork uh fud this fork fud that's going around if the etf would have been approved and we would have had a bigger market cap by now there would have been more people interested in creating asics and we would have been on our road to decentralizing that's kind of my opinion even if the etf is not a uh, net positive or a, a positive in the long term right now it would have been really good and we could have worried about that later down the road because uh, etf cannot control bitcoin even though they think it could um, i think it would be positive anyway okay so that's what i have to say about that 30 minutes talking about that let's go on to some uh, altcoins So this is kind of all tied together because we've had a pretty substantial altcoin rally. I mean, very, very substantial. Um, Dash got, Dash is over $100. I think it's like, well, it's over $100. And uh, Ethereum is pumping pretty hard. Um, You know, a lot of these coins are going up. In a cyclical fashion, I believe, right? Like they go up and down. When as the FUD starts in Bitcoin, the, the altcoins go up. But it's also with this ETF news, Bitcoin made a lot of headlines and people started looking into Bitcoin. And they're like, well, look, there's these, all these altcoins. Maybe I should put um, – and Dash is only uh, say $20 at the time and Bitcoin is $1,200. i am going to put a substantial portion into Dash. Uh, maybe they read into Bitcoin and they find out about Ethereum. They're like, look at all these people are doing Ethereum-based projects. They're going nowhere, by the way. But uh, maybe I'll put some in Ethereum. And so they, they get pumped up that way. Plus, you have the Roger connection. So Roger wants to pump these altcoins and he wants the the Bitcoin price to go down um, because that fits his narrative, Right. I hope he dumps all of his Bitcoins. I honestly do. Um, Okay, so there's a couple other things. There was um, a Monero ransomware that came out. So that people are saying that kind of hurts Bitcoin's use case. Uh, Also, Ethereum is supposed to be uh, starting to be used on Alphabay for payment. Or Ether on Alphabay. Um, These... Those are Bitcoin's use cases or two of them. And it is kind of direct competition for Bitcoin. Um, But remember, I'm of the camp that value doesn't come from spending. Value comes from holding. And you're the same thing that happened in 2014 with Bitcoin. Everyone's trying to save Bitcoin from its huge crash after Mt. Gox and they're like, okay, let's get all these merchants to adopt it because then people can use their Bitcoin and they're going to want to buy Bitcoin to use it. Well, the only thing that using your Bitcoin does is it ends up driving down the price because people will cash it out for fiat or back into Bitcoin if you're using an altcoin. So spending, concentrating on spending is not the way to go. I mean, ransomware is kind of a necessity and that's a store of value i think use case if it's a necessity it's a store of value use case it's it's a little bit less um uh, of a spending use case but direct retail spending spending on alpha bay on darknet markets that's actually puts downward pressure on the price of your coin okay so um and plus you know there's no there's no uh local bitcoins market for ethereum that i know of So these sellers are going to get Ethereum, and they're going to want to turn it into back into cat into whatever currency they they want. And there's no easy way to do it on local bitcoins. They're going to have to be like on an exchange or um, whatever. They're they're not going to. There that's going to be a massive downward pressure on the price because it's trouble to cash it out. You'd have to cash it into bitcoins and then sell bitcoins on um, local bitcoins or something. Okay, but more about this rally. There's no fundamental difference right now between the coin these altcoins two weeks ago before this rally or a month ago before this rally, and today. There's there's no fundamental difference. The fundamental difference is in this fud and Bitcoin. Right, but it's not like Dash is going to take over the world. It's not like Dash is going to take over cryptocurrency. Because their fundamentals have not changed. They all still have the same technical problems that they had a month ago. And I'm just going to list off a few of the major technical problems of these major coins. Okay? So Dash. Dash is has shady economics and with the Instamine and stuff. And it's their value is based on marketing. Not long-term holding, but on marketing to noobs. You know, so that is what their economics is based on marketing, not on uh, actual value and store value. They have blockchain bloat issues, there's governance attacks, and now there's clones. And there's nothing, in the case of Dash, there's nothing to keep people from cashing out their Dash into this PIVX which is the major competitor, I think, here now. Because PIVX doesn't have the Instamine. It has proof of stake, so it's more fair than the Instamine of Dash. And it has uh, a more tested algorithm. This X11 that Dash uses was uh, Evan's Roll Your Own Crypto, which probably has a lot of bugs in it that just hasn't, haven't been um, exploited yet. So PIVX and other clones will be coming out for Dash. Once there's value there, there's going to be clones. And it's going to take the market value away from the main coin because um, there's nothing to keep them there. With Bitcoin, you have the store of value and you have the network effects. Those and the hash power. You cannot clone the hash power. But on a proof of stake, sure as hell can clone it. You can clone it with a different, one different rule set and it might be better. And what what's to stop people from fleeing and buying into a new coin, a cheap new coin that's going to go up in value with their old coins? Nothing. But with Bitcoin, you have that hash rate and you have network effects that keep people here. Okay, Ethereum. Ethereum is bloated and centralized. They have the this uh, ethereum virtual machine the evm it's a one it's a imagine just imagine this think about okay we're gonna have a one world computer but we're gonna fucking run it on a raspberry pi and all of the world's computing uses for ethereum need to be able to run simultaneously on one node one raspberry pi does that sound logical to you no no It's bloated and slow right now. It's maybe not slow because there's nobody fucking using it because they understand this is bullshit. And so what's the, what's the solution? They're like, Oh, we're going to shard. Sharding is like, okay, we're going to break up the computing because, uh, the computing can't be done on a single node on a freaking Raspberry Pi. So we're going to shard it and it's going to be maybe a hundred. Okay, so but think about that. Are you gonna run the entire world's computing on a hundred Raspberry Pis? No, come on. You would have to make it sharded by like a million times, and then bring it back together. And that they are so far away from that, decades. So they have that. Plus, they have a contentious hard fork coming up too in Ethereum, with Casper. They're going to Proof of Stake, and and Casper has issues. I mean, they it's all hands on deck for this Casper thing. Right now, they have two competing variants of Casper, from what I understand. So, if it does fork, maybe somebody will use one version and somebody will use the other version. Plus, like they have all these um, variable issues. If you if you've been watching the bugs over the last year or so, a lot of the bug well, ever since the DAO, I guess. A lot of the bugs have had to do with variables, variable types, how they manage a variable, how they compile things. And so they want to get rid of this uh, script, this scripting language, or at least change the scripting language. But that's another hard fork. So from what I understand is they want to slowly over like a series of maybe four or five hard forks they're going to do in the future, they're going to slowly change the scripting language out. Maybe even bring another EVM into this. So they'll just have a new EVM and an old EVM. The new EVM will run something similar to Rolang, which is a very good, very good for um, variable types and and variables and stuff. But they'll have two. So all the people that spent all these years doing on this old script, script language, you know, now they're going to have to redo everything for this Rolang. And nothing's ever a perfect translation. It's just like translating regular words and dialects and stuff. If you translate from Chinese and English, you can get the general understanding, but you're not never going to get an exact translation. And when you're dealing with decentralized consensus, it needs to be exact. Very, very exact. Or else you're going to have forks. That's how the forks come in. So they have all sorts of these variable bugs, the, the Casper hard fork that's going to be contentious. They're bloated and centralized. I didn't even touch on the centralization. But there's so many problems with Ethereum. Plus, they're being forked, for crying out loud. These banks are coming out saying, yeah, we like Ethereum, but we're going to fork our own version. And there's nothing to stop them. Because right now, like they can just fork all that past development effort. But there's no network effect. There's no hashing. Okay? They can do whatever the fuck they want. And all these people have been pushing these proof of of stake as a viable option. And so why not just fork and do proof of stake right off the bat? It's just ridiculous. Uh, Zcash. Zcash is, well, pretty much, it's a direct clone of BTC. With a side chain that's that uh, the Zcash sidechain put onto the, the main code. Um you can do a regular Bitcoin transaction on there or a Zcash transaction, or you can obfuscate it and use the the privacy one, but you have to opt into that. And there there's no network effects there. Um they're gonna have the same issues that Bitcoin has uh with scaling and stuff. It's gonna be a little bit easier because it is much more centralized and um, much smaller community. There, no one really gives a shit. Um, but it, it's a side chain. It's a Bitcoin sidechain, so it's it's not gonna ever like take over Bitcoin. Lastly, Monero. Um, Monero is probably the least bad. Um, and that whatever. But it does have a blockchain bloat issue and a transaction per second issue that can. That can't be solved at this time. Um, they probably have some leads on some fixes far down the road for like transactions per second, doing side chains or something. I don't know, but it's a very complicated coin. They have a, a big problem with blockchain blow, like it it scales exponentially, something like that. So as you get more transactions with these ring signatures, you know it's going to blow, and they they can't do the SegWit there because. It's all about the signatures. So with Segwit, what they're doing is they're separating the signatures. And that's the way to minimize the storage needs of the transaction. But in uh, Monero, you can't do that because it's all about the signatures. So they have this big blockchain bloat issue that is going to be really hard to scale. So that's probably going to be a niche coin. But it's a good niche coin, I would say, in the future. Okay, so that's the main ones. That's all I have to say about those... Altcoins. So again, if it's not Bitcoin, and I've said this countless times, countless times. If Bitcoin goes down, the whole crypto community goes down. And it might not feel that way with Dash going up right now and with Ethereum going up. But Bitcoin is the granddaddy. It is the standard for censorship-resistant value transfer, for decentralization, for blockchain. It is the standard for everything. And if it goes down, it's going to take the whole community with it. And it's going to be a decade before something comes back up to replace it. So these altcoins, yes, make money. That's perfectly fine with me. I hope everybody gets rich. But Bitcoin is what's going to change the world. Not fucking Dash. Not Ethereum. Bitcoin is going to change the world. It's best to... Bitcoin might fail. It might fail. But it's best to back... In my opinion, it's best to back... The player that has the best chance and without bitcoin ethereum and dash and zcash and monero all those are going down so you have you have to bet on bitcoin that's a wrap for this episode guys thank you so much for listening my name is ansel Lidner. this is bitcoin and markets if you like to support the show you can do so at patreon.com forward slash bitcoin and markets um also, check out the show notes. Put a lot of effort into, the, into those with the links and stuff. So if you want to do your own research, that's at least a starting point. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this episode around. Thanks for listening. Peace.